Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and click on the Listen tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. I want to start today by thanking Pastor Dan and Tom Weinstein and Mary Dover because what that little thing tells you is that this day has been working in the plan for over a year. And we have been stepping toward this day because we really believe that lives are going to change through this series and change for the better. And I am super excited about that because I've experienced the kind of change that God can work when we focus on an area of life and say, we want this area of our life to be more conformed to the will of God and to be uh, more God-honoring. And that is what this series is going to do in the area of stewardship and managing the financial resources that, that God has given us. And here's why I say that. Eight years ago, Julie and I were $60,000 in debt. And uh, that's a little ironic if you consider the fact that Julie is a financial advisor. And, um, and, but she had only been that for about three years. And uh, we were working our, our way on this. And we just, things had piled up and piled up. And frankly, uh, we, we looked around one day and realized we had been in denial. We had not really seen it coming. Because uh, little by little, we had been living outside of our means. Not massively outside of our means, but a little bit outside of our means. But if you keep living in denial, not really looking at the fact that you're, you're spending more than you make, pretty soon you've dug yourself, as we discovered, a pretty deep hole, a $60,000 deep hole. And, and the reason I, I'm going to share my, our, Julie's and my journey with you today is I believe we went through all the things that people go through when, when you get yourself into financial trouble and dig a big debt hole. And, and the reason I'm starting with denial is I believe that many of us start this problem by being in denial. What's the first thing that you feel when you start to go into debt? The answer is nothing because you're ignoring it. And, and you're boxing it off. You may not even be looking at your financials regularly and, and you just don't want to know that you are gradually digging that hole. Someone once said that if you find that you've dug yourself a deep hole, you should, anybody know? Stop digging. Now for us, it, it took something from the outside. You get to a certain point in debt where you start getting phone calls. And I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've ever gotten any of the phone calls that, I, that, that we got. But these are debt collectors. They want their money. And so we started getting those calls. And then that kind of forced us to do what we should have been doing all along, but because of the denial that we were not doing, and that is looking at the actual credit card statement, seeing the amount of interest that we were uh, paying, and realizing that hundreds of dollars a month were going toward 
just the interest on this, that we were in effect working for the bank and making the banks richer, and, and, and the thought crossed our minds, why are we trying to make Wells Fargo and Chase richer? They're, they seem to be wealthy enough as they are, and if they get into trouble, well, they clearly have someone to bail them out. We don't. Unless you count God, which that's pretty big, because God did end up bailing us out, but it took us repenting of the denial behavior that we had been engaging in, uh, changing the way we were doing things, and slowly digging ourselves with the help of God and only with the help of God out of this. But that's not the total experience. It's not just feeling nothing, compartmentalizing it, denying it. Any of you have experienced that know that there's a whole raft of emotions that go along with this, right? And uh, one of my favorite authors is this uh, gentleman named Seth Godin. And uh, I don't know if, uh, if you guys can see these. Can you guys see what these are? John will know what they are. Put you on the spot. What, do you know what those are? USB flash drives. Right. USB flash drives. And, and the reason I brought these today is because um, this wonderful author, Seth Godin, says, you all know what a flash drive is, but do you know that as human beings, we also have flash drives? Now, I didn't leave any space on your notes, but I'm going to ask you to take your notes out, find a little blank space, because this is going to be important to our message we have to understand the flash drives that drive us. These are emotions that sometimes we don't even realize are, are pushing us forward, motivating us to make the decisions and the choices that we make. And flash is an acronym. We like to think we're rational, that we're logical, that the decisions we make uh, are, are ones that we've made because we've got great reasons to make them. And let me tell you, when Julie and I were in denial... That's exactly what we thought, that, that all this stuff that was leading us into debt, we had good reasons for it, we thought to ourselves. And then we realized that maybe more of it was emotional than we thought. So what are the flash drives? F stands for fear. Once we began to look at those credit card statements and see reality for what it was, oh my goodness, the fright that grew in our hearts, the anxiety, the worry that started to come about because we all of a sudden, once we got out of denial, realized how deep of a hole we had dug for ourselves and we were afraid because we did not know how we were going to solve this. Maybe some of you are there with your finances today. Maybe you've moved past the denial. You're no longer rationalizing your debt or minimizing it. Thank God for that because the first step to getting better is recognizing the problem. But now maybe you're feeling this fright, this fear, this anxiety. Maybe you can't sleep at night because you're thinking, how are we going to get this fixed? That's fear. All right? L, we experience this. L is loneliness. 
Now, I'm sure you guys have better marriages than Julie and I do, but what happened is once we started sitting down with those credit card bills and our bank statement and doing what we should have been doing, guess what happened? We started to argue. We started to do the Adam and Eve thing, point fingers, assess blame. And all of a sudden, it became very isolating for us because instead of coming together as a team like we ought to have, it became something that sent us each to our own corners. In frustration, and and we became actually very lonely in this. And not only that, even when we did tackle this together, we felt like we really couldn't share it with anybody else, this trouble that we had gotten ourselves into. We were... uh, uh, (laughs) We felt isolated because, hey, we don't want anybody else to know how bad this is. We didn't know who to ask. We didn't know who to talk to to get great advice. And so we felt, even together, very alone. A was, A stands for, anybody want to guess? Anger. Because we are very angry. And maybe you, you've, you've experienced this. If you've had problems with managing your finances, you can get angry with your boss because he's not giving you the salary you deserve. You, you can get angry with your spouse because they're spending way too much and they're the issue. Uh, you can get angry with life because life has thrown you too many curveballs and you can get angry with God because God's not taking care of you the way that you thought he promised to take care of you. And you have anger. S is really a key one because we definitely felt this. S stands for shame. I, I remember many times thinking to myself, I'm supposed to be guiding others. I'm supposed to be teaching others how to do this properly. I'm supposed to be helping others to live in a God-pleasing way, and I'm not, I'm not living it. I'm not listening to God's word and putting it into practice in my life. And I've, I acutely felt my sin in this area where I was mismanaging the resources that God had given me. And instead of being able to generously share an abundance with the kingdom and with the church and with people in need, I was sharing by force whatever abundance I had with Chase and Wells Fargo, which I did not find acceptable. Because it was not being asked of me, it was being forced out of me. The last one, H, is what sort of gets us into this mess in the first place. But ironically, after we're in the mess, it comes back into play again. You know what H stands for? Hunger. Remember what Jonathan just said? What he and I and many of us are a little prone to do is focus on the things that we don't have rather than the things that we've been blessed with, that we do have, and how there's always, there always seems to be this hunger to get this thing and that thing to have a little bit nicer this or that, and, and we, this hunger drives us, and depending on what you've been taught or what habits you've developed, you get so hungry that you're like, 
put it on a credit card because I'm hungry for this new furniture or I'm hungry for this new car or I'm hungry for this motorcycle, whatever it might be, and I want it now, not later. I may not have the cash to buy it, but I've got the credit to buy it now and I'll, I'll worry about the interest later on. And that hunger drives us into a huge problem. Now, I said it comes into play a second time once you're in this mess. Do you know how that works? I'm sure you do. There's this little thing called retail therapy. So once you're experiencing the fear, right? Go back to flash drive, right? The loneliness, right? You're ashamed. And all these emotions start to come in. Guess what's a way that we think we can relieve all of that? Retail therapy. And so the hunger comes back and drives us to deepen and worsen the issue that we've got. I'm hoping in sharing that that was Julie's in my experience that some of you can relate to this. Maybe some of you are feeling some of these flash drives even as I talk about them. And I want you to know a couple things. Number one, I'm sharing this because I've been there. Our marriage has been there. And it's not fun to be having all these emotions. But I'm also here to tell you that Jesus Christ is powerful to deliver us not only from our sins, our guilt, and our shame across the wider spectrum, he is also there to help deliver us from the pain that we're causing ourselves by our sinful behaviors in narrower areas of our life, like how we manage the financial resources that he's given us. And when we talk about a new kind of normal, here's what I'm really talking about, is that not only has God given you financial gifts, which he has, but he's given you an even greater gift than that. Underneath the forgiveness that he gives us, the grace that he gives us, the cross and the empty tomb, he has also given you a very practical gift. Do you know what it is? The gift of being able, with his wisdom expressed in the Bible, to manage what he's given you. As a human being, you have been given the gift of the ability to manage your resources, manage your money. And it is a grace, it's a gift of God, but... It comes to you as a gift that you need with the Holy Spirit's power to unwrap and use. And that's what we're going to be uh, talking today about. But in order to use your gift of money management wisely, you first have to realize you're not always going to naturally be rational. You have to understand these flash drives. Let me share with you where flash drives lead. I want to share just a few facts with you, if you don't mind. I did a little research, and I found these out. According to the Wall Street Journal, seven out of 10 Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 70% of us are living hand-to-mouth existences. A Gallup poll found that only 32% of Americans could cover a $5,000 emergency without having to borrow money to cover that emergency. As a nation, We're spending more than we're making. Now, do you want to see something truly frightening? See, this is not just an individual problem. If you want to see something truly frightening, something that might help wake you up, go to usdebtclock.org. 
and watch the numbers spin. And do you know what those numbers represent? How much collectively we as citizens of this nation have borrowed. Do you know how much it is? It's almost $20 trillion. If you go to usdebtclock.org, you will watch the numbers spin. I mean spin rapidly as the debt piles up second by second by second. Our debt. Debt that you and I owe as citizens of this country. You see, so this is a problem that's affecting everyone. And and the interesting thing is, this is happening in the midst of abundant blessings from God. And I mean, not just the spiritual blessings, which are huge. As Jonathan just sang for us, the cross is truly our wealth. But let's even come down to financial blessings. Do you realize that if you live in the United States of America, it is very likely that you are in the top 1% of people in terms of the wealth you make in your paycheck. So in terms of your paycheck, your paycheck is likely larger than 99% of people in the world. Is that incredible? The number, I'll give you the actual number, is $32,400. So if you're a teacher, if you're an accountant, if you do many trade jobs, plumber, electrician, you're very likely going to make $32,400 or more a year. If you make $32,400 or more per year, top 1% of people who are making wealth in the world. And yet, go back to those previous numbers, 70% of us still living hand to mouth, in debt, not able to handle our emergencies. See, that's the old kind of normal. Do you see the title of today's message? I want us to have, Jesus wants us to have a new kind of normal. This is why Pastor Dan Tom Weinstein, Mary Dover, and many others, all of our group leaders, have spent months building up to this day. Because we know, and I know it from experience, that we can experience a new kind of normal. Can I tell you that Julie and I were so ashamed of the situation that we put ourselves in eight years ago, that when we heard about Dave Ramsey as a possible answer to this problem, we were too ashamed to take the course with other people. And, and I'm telling you this because I'm saying this is where our shame and our guilt can lead us. I'm not recommending that you do this. In fact, I'm recommending that you do the opposite of what we did. But we were so ashamed and not wanting people to know how poorly we were leading our own lives in this area of our life. We bought the kit eight years ago and studied it at home ourselves and began to implement the things that we were taught in there. God-pleasing ways of managing the financial resources he had given us. And we discovered exactly what I'm teaching you today. The greater gift is not the financial resources. It is this wonderful ability using God's love, forgiveness, and wisdom to manage those resources. 
And that is exactly what Jesus teaches in Matthew 25. So take a look. Uh, I want to have us dive into this passage. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, can I tell you, this passage has been used to teach a lot of things, but I don't always believe that it's been used. While those things that were taught, I think, are true, they're godly, I don't think it's the main thing that Jesus was trying to teach here. So listen carefully, especially if you've heard this parable taught before. So many times this parable is used to teach we're all gifted differently. You see this guy got five, that guy got two, the other guy got one. And while that's true, it's not the main point of this passage. To really understand the main point, you have to start with a very small word, and I want you to circle it. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Do you know what the it is here? In order to understand what the it is, you have to read the entire chapter because it's only earlier in Matthew 25 where Jesus says, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven. Now, amongst the Jews, they used this phrase to talk about what you and I might call the kingdom of God. They didn't like using God's name, so they called it the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is? It's not a physical place. It's a spiritual place. The kingdom of heaven is where God rules in our hearts. So what he's really teaching us here is, if you want to understand what it's like to live with God ruling in your heart and in your life, here's what it looks like. And then he launches into, if you, if you are a Christ follower, living under Christ's rule in your life, you're going to realize that God has given you gifts. Now, the other sort of thing that this parable has been used to teach, again, not wrong, I think it's very true, but it used to be called the parable of the, anybody know? Not the five bags of gold, but the parable of the talents. Now, I love the new translation. I believe it's more accurate. Because the parable of the talents really leads us to think about what? Abilities. Giftedness. Now, that's not wrong. Jesus is teaching us about that. He's teaching us about stewardship, which includes how we manage our time, how we manage our talents, but also how we manage our treasures, our financial things. The thing I love about him about the new translation, five bags of gold, where does that lead your mind to think of first? doesn't necessarily lead you to think of talents and gifts and abilities first. It helps you think, oh yeah, God has also given me the salary that I have and the money that I have. And that's what's beautiful about this because that also is true. And as you see it, 
here, he's saying, if you live under my rule, that is in my heavenly kingdom, and if you follow me, it's going to look like this. Some people are going to be given a, a, a larger amount, some a medium amount, some a smaller amount. But that's not the point. The point is this. Take a look right in the middle. Verse 16. You all there? The man who had received five bags of gold, and I want you to underline these words, went at once and put his money to work. That's the point. Do you know what that means? This man did the opposite of the person who had been given one talent. What did the person with one talent do? The man who had received one bag, verse 18, went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. What this is saying is, Jesus is saying, when you live in my kingdom under my rule, I want your life to look like this. You actively manage the money, the gifts, the talents, and the time that I've given you. Actively manage it. Go at once and put it to work. Don't hide it and bury it. The point Jesus is making here is, This is a gift he's giving us, an authority and ability he's giving us that when we get things from him, including our financial blessings, we're not meant to to just sit there and not know what they are or care what they are or pay no attention to them the way Julie and I were doing. We're meant to actively manage them. We're meant to think of them as each dollar is a worker and I need to tell my workers where to go and what to do. Each dollar is a soldier, and I'm the general. And God has given me the right and the ability to tell my soldiers how to deploy. In other words, God is saying, maybe asking you, do you tell your money where you want it to go before you spend it? Or do you tell your money where to go only when you get in the line at the aisle and you go, oh yeah, that looks good. And all of a sudden you're driven by the flash drives and the impulsivity and the, oh man, I'm missing this, I need that, all of a sudden without having any strategy or plan or thinking it through and saying, we have a budget, this is what we're going to do. Do you, in other words, view your money as soldiers and workers that you deploy and tell them what to do? That's what active management means. That's what stewardship is. So write this down. Money management, because Jesus is teaching about it, is a spiritual issue. But it's not just a spiritual issue. I will tell you it's also a rational, emotional, and physical issue as well. Rational because sometimes, and this is why we're doing Financial Peace University groups, we need ideas. Like, I didn't know what a debt snowball was. Dave Ramsey gave me this idea, which is brilliant, of doing a debt snowball. How many in here know what a debt snowball is? A few of you do. I'm telling you that that idea, that rational idea helped us so much. And we learned it from Dave Ramsey. Emotional, I'm not gonna repeat what I said about that. That's all about those flash drives. Fear, loneliness, right? All those things that that drive us to not manage our money wisely. But by the way, it's also a physical issue. It can be. 
If you listen to Dave Ramsey's radio show long enough, one of, the, one of the things that you'll hear him say repeatedly is, maybe you just need to go and find a second job and make more money. Maybe you got to work harder. Or, on the other hand, you can hear him be understanding and go, oh, you have an illness. Well, that's a physical thing, and that is going to put you in a tough situation, but we need to make a new plan now because we got to consider how you're going to manage things given that you have a physical illness. That's a, that's a new phase in your life. And you can't continue to spend the way you spent before the illness now that you have the illness. It's a physical thing, but it plays into everything. So understand that the reason we want to have nine weeks of groups is this is not necessarily a straightforward uh, a thing with all of us. It can be this whole basket and mixture of spiritual, physical, emotional, rational, and nine weeks of meeting together and talking in these groups can be unbelievably helpful, all right? So understand how co complex this is. Now, coming back to it, verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Here's a really important thing for us to understand about money faithful money management is look at what happens with this guy. Can you see that good things happen, that this becomes a powerful force in his life that he receives this gift and begins to use the gift of money management and how he handles his five bags of gold. And, and when he's faithful with it, by faithful, we mean, what does Jesus mean? Well, he means you do what you say you're going to do with it. You make a statement, you make a promise, we call that a budget. And then once you've made that declaration or that statement, this is where my soldiers are going, then as closely as possible as you can, understanding that life throws us curveballs, you stay with your plan. And when this gentleman did that, he was rewarded. And it became a powerful force in his life. Here's the thing that, that we all have to contend with. Before we can be faithful money managers, we have to get past the myths, the lies that we've been, that we've been told. Uh, money's not in our control. God chooses, you know, that he's going to bless some people extra because he's happier with them. And sometimes when God is not happy with somebody, he doesn't bless them very much. And so I really can't do much about this. I just got to wait for God. That's a lie. Do you see that didn't matter whether they were given five or two when they immediately went out and put their money to work? God blessed that when they actively managed it and asked for God's blessing and tapped into God's power, doing things in God's wisdom, there was blessing. Now, let me be careful. I'm not a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. The way God blesses us is not always, if you do great things with your finances, your finances, the blessings are going to be financial, okay? It doesn't always work that way. 
Sometimes you do great things with your finances and the blessings are spiritual. You learn to trust God more. You learn to lean on God more. You you learn that he will assuredly provide for you through all the struggles, ups and downs and troubles of life. And that's an even greater blessing than were he to bless you with financial blessings in reality. As Jonathan told us, the greatest blessing is to be able to rest in the comforting shadow, the peace-giving shadow of the cross. That's why we call our church Cross Walk. We want you to walk firmly in that blessed, comforting, peace-giving shadow of the cross. Now, can God choose to, to, to bless you financially? Sometimes he might. And that leads to a second myth that we often believe. And that is money is evil. And some people even believe that's what the Bible teaches. Money is evil. And and therefore, if money is evil, what are the people who have a lot of money? They're evil too. Which is completely unbiblical. The great man of faith in the Old Testament, his name was anybody? Abraham. Very wealthy. David, the king. Extremely wealthy. They were given this wealth by God, but they were also expected then to manage it under God's rule in his heavenly kingdom, which they did. So money is not evil. God does, God, money is not totally outside of our control. And we have to get past those myths to to understand the powerful force that faithful money money management is. Can Can I tell you what money is? Money is a brick. Money does what you want it to do, which means that it's going to reflect you. It's going to reflect your heart. And if you think about a brick, if you're an angry person, who just wants to lash out and destroy something, you can take that brick and chuck it through a window. Because you sent it there from your angry heart, that's where it's going to go. But if you're a kind, loving person who wants to do good things, you can take that brick and build a hospital with it. What we have to understand is that money is a magnifying glass, that it magnifies and elevates what's going on inside of us. It's neutral. It takes on the cast that we put on it from our hearts. But when we put a loving, wise cast on it, powerful force. Let's go on. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I I knew that you are a hard man. Do you see what's in his heart? Fear. He thinks of God as harsh and hard and unbending. I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where where you have not scattered seed. He thinks of God as a taker, not a giver. He thinks of God as, 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 as someone that just wants to bleed him dry and rip him off. So what's the natural flash drive there? Fear. So I was afraid and I went out and had your gold Uh, and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. 
Well, then you should have put my money, flip the page, on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. You should have actively managed the money I gave you. You should have used the gift of money management that I gave you the ability to do. You didn't. You buried it. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. And this is a law of God's kingdom right here. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Do you see that this is powerful? Because what Jesus is saying here is, through this entire uh, parable, that when we faithfully manage money, that expands our limits. The guy with five bags of gold got what? Five more. So he could do more. It expanded his limits. The guy with two, it expanded his limits. But the guy who didn't manage his money faithfully got a more and more and more limited life. And and that's important for us to know. In fact, I want you to write it down. It's the next point. Faithful money management expands and limits our options. Can I tell you, (laughs) this is true. Here's here's the awesome thing. I I already shared with you that eight years ago, we were $60,000 in debt. And we repented of the behaviors that we had done and the sinful attitudes that we had taken toward the resources God had given us. And we changed what we did. In fact, the history goes that we, we went through it kind of like we said privately and quietly, just the two of us. After that, we kind of went up and we adopted new habits. Things got better, but then we started to slide back down as all people do. So then we bought the book, uh, Total Money Makeover. We read that together. We adopted a few more things. And this may be the course for many of you. Maybe you're not going to adopt everything right away. I hope you do. But if you're stubborn, a slow learner, and just don't like being told what to do like I am, it may take you a while. That's okay. Keep marching it forward. All right? And, and then after Total Money Makeover, then Dave Ramsey Group, Financial Peace, and we're leading one this time. How long do you think it took us to get out of $60,000 worth of debt? And I'm telling you, God did this. Not me, not Julie. God did this. Less than three years of changing our habits, and we completely paid off that debt. That's that's why Pastor Dan says, we want this for you, not from you. Because we know the peace, the joy of not always carrying around this burden of debt and worrying about the phone calls and the interest rates and making banks richer. It's just so wonderful. And and expanding the possibilities, like I just said, now we can be, because we're not paying Wells Fargo and Chase anymore, we can give more. Give more to church, which we love to do. Give more to Beyond Borders? We're like, yeah, let's get this building going. We can give more to people who are struggling that we hear about. Everyone, I think by now, who's been here for a while knows my truck is not called Jeff's truck. 
It's called God's truck. Because it is God's truck. And I lend that thing out all the time. And do I worry? No. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if I want Pastor Dan hearing this, but like if he wrecks it, it's okay. First of all, all our insurance payments are paid up. Secondly of all, they're not going to get that much for insurance, but we've already begun to save for the next truck. The money's sitting there. Please don't go out and wreck my truck, man. <laughs> right? We can be hospitable. We don't have to like squeeze every penny and go, well, I don't know if we can invite our friends from Idaho to come over and stay with us. What would we feed them? It's no, no, bring them in, share our house, put on the dog, you know, just like, let's do a barbecue, let's take them out to dinner. It'll be awesome. If we need a new piece of furniture, we don't have to go, oh man, which credit card are we gonna put that on now? The money's already saved for that next piece of furniture. It's awesome, you guys. And this is why I want to tell you, use God's gift of money management and you will be so blessed because it will expand your options. All right, last thing is this, motivation. Why do this? Jonathan hit it on the nail, but let's take a look at a couple of these passages. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Which guy are you going to be in this parable? Are you going to be the guy who thinks, my God is generous. He's, he loves to give me abundantly. My God is my father. There's nothing more than he loves than to bless me richly. Or are you going to be the guy who goes, my God's a hard man. He's a taker. There's no abundance in my life because my God is a God of scarcity and he loves to squeeze me. Therefore, I better just sit tight with what I've been given and and just bury it because I might lose that too. No, that's the way to actually lose it, you guys, because when you ask yourself that question and then read these passages, what conclusion must you come to? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Do you see what God's will is for you? Spiritually, yes, first and foremost, but also in many other ways, it is to be rich. He wants to richly bless you and give you an abundance. And that's not just for the here and now. He he wants you to live under his grace and under his rule right now to serve him, allow him to be your master as these did. But he's also saying when you do that, there are not only abundant blessings right here, right now, there are abundant blessings waiting for you in eternity, which I'm already putting together for you. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? James is Jesus' brother, by the way. If anyone ought to know what Jesus wants you to have, he's the guy. And he's telling you, you have a generous Savior and a generous God who wants you to live in his abundance. The last thing he wants you to live in and what Financial Peace University is really all about is to live in his wisdom. Do you see what the book of Proverbs says? 
Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Brothers and sisters, when you're in denial, the last thing you want to do is pay attention to your herds and flocks. You want to pretend there's nothing wrong. And then when you get out of denial, you're afraid to look at your flocks. You feel very lonely and isolated. But I'm telling you, this class can help you get back on track to paying attention to the condition of your flocks, of your finances, and giving careful attention to your herds, your money. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. The last passage on here, Proverbs 22.7, is the one that helped me the most, to be honest with you. Eight years ago, when we made the changes, this is the passage. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. When I read that through the Dave Ramsey course, it really pulled me up short. Jeff, do you really want to be a slave anymore? to banks that don't even care about you, to car payments that, yeah, it's great, but <laughs> it's just burying you deeper. Do you want to be a slave to that anymore? Or, or would you ra rather live under Christ and his rule and his kingdom and do things his way because of his love? I did not want to be a slave anymore. I don't want you to be slaves anymore. Please, please, please consider signing up today for these Financial Peace University growth groups. Here's what I want you to write down. Faithful money management is also faith-filled money management. From living in Christ, in gratitude, and in wisdom, comes a new kind of normal. Guys, this is life-changing, and it will bring about a new kind of normal. And do you really want to live in the old kind of normal anymore? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Last thing. If you have a smartphone, it's this easy. Go to crosswalkphoenix.com, our homepage. Get it up on your smartphone. Scroll down just a few scrolls. You'll see this, this same breakthrough logo. Click on it, and it will lead you to where you can see the classes, and at the bottom is a form that you can register. Do this right now. Crosswalkphoenix.com. If you need help, you don't have a smartphone, we have people waiting in the lobby today in the hub. They will help you get registered. And Pastor Dan told me, I have not completed this message until I make this offer to all of you. Today at 2 p.m., and then later on in the evening, it's all on your card, I believe 5 p.m., is that correct? 5.30. There are Financial Peace University classes starting today at Arizona Lutheran Academy, 27th Avenue in Southern. Even if you have not registered, even if you have not bought an FPU kit, even if you just want to test drive it for one class, please come. Check it out. See what it's about. And change your life because you're living in Christ's forgiveness, in his love, and in this tiny sliver of financial management, getting your life in order. We have scholarships available for the FPU kits. You don't have to worry about any of that. Just come and check it out at 27th Avenue in Southern, 2 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. You know... 
your life can have a brand new kind of normal. And the reason we've been planning this for months on end is we want that to start for you today. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for all the amazing gifts that you give us. We are so rich and so wealthy. When we think about the spiritual blessings that you share with us, your very own son as the perfect sacrifice to win forgiveness and eternal life for us. That's amazing. Uh, 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 An eternal home in heaven. The peace and the joy of knowing that we walk every day as your children, totally and completely forgiven. And then, Lord, all the physical blessings that you richly provide for us. Lord, help us to understand the true meaning of this parable, that, that you have also given us a gift of managing these blessings. And that not on our own power, but in your power, motivated not, not by flash drives in us, but by your Holy Spirit, we can manage these resources for your glory and for the growth of your kingdom. Lord, I pray that everyone here today will begin their journey wherever they're at, either out of slavery or help others get out of slavery as we launch into this new growth group semester. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we close, if you would like to hear more messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. You know what this is? This is your ticket to a new future. This is your ticket to a new kind of normal right here. This is why Jesus went to the cross. Yes, to deliver us from our sins, to give us eternal life, but also to deliver us from living unwisely. And, and the thing is, you've been freed by the cross and the empty tomb from being under the control and the rule of your flash drives. Fear, loneliness, anger, those, those don't have to rule you. Hunger all the time. Those don't have to rule you because we live in God's kingdom where Christ rules us. I can't encourage you more strongly. Take this as your opportunity. And if you're already there in that future destination and your finances are under control, I'm going to say to you, great, take this ticket and help someone else get there too. All right, let me send you out with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.